0: slash connect and fill out a very brief form there's a spot to leave contact info ask questions and even to request prayer also be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our soundcloud podcast to let us know where you're listening may the lord be with you this day grace and peace to you
1: If you have been following along with us, you know we have been in the season of epiphany in the lectionary series, where the appearance or the magnification of Jesus by the Magi are spoken about, and in these epiphanies, they lead us to repentance and changes in our lives after seeing a reality that we had once been in the dark about. And today, we're kind of on this bridge or this transitioning point between Epiphany and Lent. And this Wednesday night, as you heard Pastor Val say, is Ash Wednesday. We're marks of a cross on our forehead with ashes, and it begins the season of Lent. These ashes are placed on our forehead as a reminder of human mortality and the need for reconciliation with God. Today, on the church calendar, they call today a Transfiguration Sunday. In between, and we're going to explore the unveiling of God's glory, full of grace and truth that is being revealed. And we have the opportunity today to visit, we're going to be in Exodus 34. So as you find your way there, let me get you up to speed from a few chapters back, from when we were talking about the Ten Commandments a few minutes ago. After the liberation of the Hebrews from Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea, faithful to his promise, God brings his people to the foot of Mount Sinai. And we see Moses making two ascents up the mountain, and then the first descent down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. We see Moses hurling the tablets of stone to the earth to be broken into pieces as a violent reaction to the sinful idolatry and vicious behavior of God's people. We hear Moses cry to God, Oh God, my mission is your mission. My people are your people. When the world sees us, they see us as your people. Have mercy upon us. Moses knew their actions did not represent who God was. And if you have this special relationship, Lord... And you won't go with us. How will anyone know we are yours? Scripture tells us those who look at God will die. They looked at him face to face because his majestic omnipotence is so great that a direct encounter would be lethal. But in spite of all this, Moses makes a request anyhow. Please, Lord, show me your glorious presence. Reassure me of who you are. And God hears the desperation of his faithful mediator of the people. Then Moses spends 40 days and 40 nights back up on the mountain in the presence of God. Or should we say he's kind of behind a rock, a little bit of a gap of sorts that God has promised his hand of protection on. So out of the reverence and the reading of God's word, as you are able, will you please stand We will be in Exodus chapter 34, starting with verse 29. Hear the word of the Lord. Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and as he came down from the mountain with the two covenant tablets in his hand, Moses didn't realize that the skin of his face shone brightly because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw the skin of Moses' face shining brightly, They were afraid to come near, but Moses called them closer. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and Moses spoke with them. After that, all the Israelites came near as well, and Moses commanded them everything that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with him, he put on a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went into the Lord's presence to speak with him, Moses would take the veil off until he came out again. When Moses came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see that the skin of Moses' face was shining brightly. So Moses would put the veil on his face again until the next time he went in to speak with the Lord. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. I really like to hike, or, you know, at least attempt to hike. I'll be honest. I have yet to do anything real big or climb any huge mountains. But Kevin and I, um, last week, the week before, I can't even remember anymore this past week. But um, we went out on to a new adventure, and we went and we hiked the outer edge down by Bruno Dunes. The equestrian area, we had never done that part of it yet. And it's not hard ground, okay? Um, Like the name represents the dunes, it is full of sand. And therefore, sand is not easy to hike on, more or less walk in, right? You use different parts of your leg muscles because your feet are maneuvering in between those little grooves, if you will, in the sand. Very different type of hike. Um, But something I was trying to imagine, um, trying to give you a visual of kind of Mount Sinai. So are you guys familiar with Boise Peak? Right? It's not the largest mountain by any means, but a decent good hike. And enough where the climates actually change up there from one area to another. And it requires some endurance and determination to reach the top. And I believe that's probably really kind of close to perhaps what Mount Sinai looks like. And I'm sure Moses was much more in shape than me, but was this, was just, wasn't just quite a simple run up the hill and back down again just for giggles. Um, we're, we're talking rugged, steep, rocky edges from what I research and what I can imagine it being over a three-hour walk, okay? Now, that's quite the distance to have traveled, especially descending and carrying heavy pieces of stone with God's message on it. And yet Moses did it more than once. kind of think it says something about his character and probably his physical physique, right? That's impressive. Um, But he settles in 24-7 for 40 days, embellished within this cloud. Kind of reminds me of the West Coast in Washington State. You know, if you guys have ever been there, it's just cloudy all the time. Every time I call my daughter, she's in rain. But anyhow, after a long 40 days of no food and water and perhaps no sleep, he climbs back down the mountain. But when he gets there, people won't look at his face. They glance away. They advert their eyes. Something has happened to Moses while he was up on the mountain and his face is glowing bright, radiance which is tolerable for some and intimidating for others. Verse 29 says that Moses' face shone because he had been talking with God. Time spent in the presence of the divine and he comes back with a different posture, a glow around him interesting note, you know, that Moses is so desperate and eager to see God's face, and yet here we are, we're focusing on Moses's face. And yet, Moses was not even aware of his countenance. He simply, maybe not simply, but came back with a much more awareness of God's glory, the glory of God that had not been seen and that had been missing was now being shown on Moses's face God's glory the glory of God that is only seen by others when time and presence is made the splendor the beauty that silences our chatter and leaves us blinking and confused in its light Now, those of you who have attended summer camps and retreats of at Trinity Pines, you guys get a glimpse of this. We come back with that same sense of awe up there on that mountain. There's something special about arriving in its splendor and majestic views and the smells where everything from down the mountain just kind of goes away for a bit. And we're gathering in a presence on holy ground up there, witnessing the presence of God's glory that has shown himself to many. Verse 33 tells us, When Moses finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Why? (laughs) Why wear the veil? Was it to hide and prohibit others from seeing him maybe rolling his eyes around? I don't know. Or maybe hiding his preventing chapped lips? I don't know. But we're going to pause here for a moment because 900 years later in Luke chapter 9, Jesus climbs up a mountain. He had just shared eight days prior, earlier, and who quote, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. So Jesus, along with a few of his special friends, Peter, James, and John, head up an unknown mountain, though some say it was that mountain. Um, But one again, and the four of them spent time in the presence of God praying. And what took place as they were praying in the presence of God? Jesus' face changed in appearance, and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Jesus' transformation, the glory of Jesus. The Son of God is now present on the mountaintop. And Peter is so excited and beyond trembling with excitement and fear that he wants to just go and pitch up a tent and stay there. Why not? They were in the presence of some of the almighty great leaders, Moses and Elijah, who would want to stay and watch this tuition come. I remember Elijah represents the Old Testament prophets, and Moses represents the Old Testament law. And now Peter and James and John get to witness what they thought would be the third missing person to this puzzle, the great Messiah. And yet, so much more was to be revealed. That great cloud came back, and it covered them like a soft baby's blanket, and a voice from inside the cloud said this is my son my chosen one listen to him and it is here Peter James and John learn that Jesus is more than just a messiah he is the very son of God the only one who has seen the face of God the glory of God was right in front of them the whole time See, these men witnessed and experienced the glory of God beyond what they had even imagined. And what was revealed and discovered was not only about God himself, but what God revealed about themselves. This is the work of the glory of God. Unlock the pause button. Let's go back to Moses. When Moses had returned from a long visit with God, It is possible Moses may have taken a good, hard look at himself, truly realizing not only the responsibility he had in sharing God's covenant, but also seeing who he truly was in God's eyes. The light of God's glory will bring forth truth. That's not always easy. And that walk back down the mountain, reflecting and pondering... What had been and what would come, how he would respond, had to be daunting. Moses' face wasn't covered when he spoke for God to the people. It was unveiled. Nor when he enters God's presence, it is unveiled. But he covers his face only when he is by himself, the opposite of what typically happened and took place by the priests. Embarrassed? Self-conscious? Angry? I think, I think, after reflecting more about Moses this week and seeing the glory of God, that he truly knew he needed to get out of the way for the people. This was an extreme, humbling, and modest Moses. He truly wanted others to see the glory of God and not the mere man. God's presence was known by the light. And I'd say this is one of those not-so-with-you moments, Moses moments that we just talked about for the last few weeks, our new emphasis for the year, a not-so-with-you. He could have easily paraded around and exalted himself as the great one who spent that amount of time with God, but he chose to fade himself out so that the glory of God could be seen. I was also thinking that perhaps Moses' face was hidden, obscured, shrouded because he saw his true self while he was with God. Another very humbling experience. As you get to know more of God, your true self is revealed. And that's not always a good reflection. But... Maybe that's why people don't want to encounter the glory of God. His light brings forth the truth. See, veiled lives, the very things we keep hidden, the things we don't deal with or acknowledge, they prohibit vulnerability and accountability, honesty and relationship with God and ourselves, as well with those that we love. When we keep the veil on we are missing out on genuine encounters with others because they remain closed and hidden the most vulnerable who are victimized because nobody is willing to call into question the veil we allow to be put on to obscure and to silence maybe Aaron should have asked Moses to remove the veil you know, it's not easy putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. There's a risk to it, and it's scary. And when Peter saw the glory of God with Jesus, he was turned inward. He, was determ- he determined for himself what was good, and that goodness was to be kept on that mountain for those who were present. Peter could capture and keep his mountaintop experience. But have you ever had those moments? Perhaps getting ready to come down from camp or when the last day of a mission trip is ending and you just didn't want to go back to normal life? Things were just way too good up there. You just wanted to get back in the moment. You want to hold on to those experiences right there. But the glory of God is not ours to hold. It is by his grace we have encountered and been transformed that we must go out and share with others. As we heard earlier in 2 Corinthians from Miss Joy, since we have such a hope, we act with great confidence. And Paul argues that this veil is still present when the Jewish readers approach the Old Covenant. They don't encounter God when he is Most God. It is a heart issue, not a law issue. See, God's glory is most seen when we allow him to work within our worst selves. And here is the best news. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. There's no more hiding and there's no more shame. For the Father we see in Jesus is not a God turned inward, needing the praise from humans but rather a God of love, radiating life outward to his creation. All of us are looking for unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord, as if we were looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. That's from 2 Corinthians 3. Those are God's words. Scripture says that on me. How often have we responded in ways that do not fit the epiphanies that we are given of God? God's grace, his glory of light and love, does not leave us trapped in our poor responses, but rather he instructs and he guides us by his spirit to align our responses to his revelations to us. And God is not looking to zap us for our mistakes, but rather he's continually calling us to a deeper walk with him. And as we go from the epiphanies of who God is and seeing his glory, we are being transformed. And this is that bridge of transition into the Lent season here today. It is where we can allow God to reveal not only more about him, but more about ourselves. And we can take the veils off. Before him to allow his glory to shine. We do not merely see God, we reflect God. We reflect the glory of God. In Jesus, we are set free, made whole, and brought back into restored relationships with the Father. And both mountains Jesus climbed. Gives us a view of God's glory. And we see it in these stories that God is for us, and nothing, not even death itself, will stand between him and his children. And as we come to see Jesus and the revelation of the Father he brings, we will agree with Luke's final sentence recorded in this passage. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. It is in this greatness of God and his glory of love and acceptance and forgiveness that we come together in remembrance and we share in communion together today. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. As often as we break this bread and share this cup, we remember his death and resurrection until he comes again. God is. May his glory shine upon you today. If you would please stand and receive this benediction by placing your hands out as a symbol of accepting what God has. May you go with God's glory shining upon you into this world, shining with the light of his love, ready to serve. Go in peace.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us, and have a great week.